Are we on now? There we go. Okay, we'll start over then. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. That even sounded better. The last couple of days, man, allergies have hit me, so if you think I'm crying during the service, it's really not crying. It's just my eyes watering like crazy, but uh, this morning I got up ready and ready to preach the word. I'm excited about it. Took a bunch of cough medicines to help myself out and took a bunch of allergy medicines, drank a lot of coffee. Now I'm ready. So... God is good. I'm excited about it. Uh, um, Pastor Dave and his family are out in Oregon somewhere visiting uh, their daughter, kind of doing an Oregon trip and just being a family there. And I talked to him last night and having a great time. Uh, he says they're getting rest and uh, just enjoying the family time. Family is very important. Uh, you know, when you move away and come back, you find out what you miss. And, uh, you know, one thing I saw even this morning is I see families together. And I see grandpas and grandmas with their grandkids. And that just excites me. just really excites me. And I see other parents, you know, kind of be grandpas and grandmas to other ones. And that's what Christ Fellowship's all about. We have such a wide variety of ages here, all the way from young, all the way to old, you know. And, uh, you know, that's what a family is all about. So it's, it's good to be with you today. Uh, my message uh, today is going to be on, uh, on nine verses in Romans 8. Um, I worked hard at uh, um, trying to come up with another message because I've been working on this one and, and it's so much information in this passage, I didn't know if I could squeeze it in. And uh, so I just kept coming back, trying to come up with another subject to talk about, but God kept bringing this subject back to me. Uh, it's entitled God's Everlasting Love, and which is a huge subject to talk about. Um, the last three months, uh, Pastor Dave has been working with the elders and the deacons and really strongly suggesting and pushing us to be more in the Word, to be more on our knees, and to memorize. Not that we're not doing that, but he wants us to get us in the next level of our life. And so when I say he strongly urges and suggests us to do it, he's pushing us in that direction. And I appreciate that about Pastor Dave. And uh, uh, so we've been working on that the last two, three months. Um, it's not easy sometimes to memorize. If you, if you don't continue doing it, and kids, you need to know this. If you do it at this age and continue doing it up to my age, it will be a whole lot easier. So don't stop memorizing. I mean, to pick it up at an older age, uh, it makes it more difficult. But it is very rewarding, and I appreciate Dave doing that. Last Sunday, we had a missionary here, uh, uh, Pastor Lovell. And I don't know if you got what I got out of it, but he really pushed hard. The fact you need to be in the Word, you need to be on your knees, and you need to be in ministry, you need to be memorizing, and uh, and uh, it was a good push, especially because Pastor Dave's been pushing us, and God spoke to me and uh, said, Ken, you need to do more, and uh, I like it when God pushes me, and so um, I'm ready for a, a new step in my life and, and seeing how that works out. I also saw in Pastor Lovell last week, what a passion. I don't know if you guys saw that, but what a passion for his ministry. He sat up here and just gleaned with his ministry, and I thought... I want to be that person. I want to be passionate about what I do. I want to be passionate in all that God gives me. And uh, it was just a great time uh, to listen to him and what he has. Uh, when he was pushing and talking about, you know, how much time do you spend in the Word? And the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, Facebook and Craigslist. And, you know, all the things that the world gives you is that you spend a lot of time with during the day. You know, you add up all those hours and then you add up the time that you actually spend on your knees. You know, I felt convicted, you know, and when he was talking about that, man, we had communion afterwards and man, I just wanted to come up here and get on my knees because when I get on my knees, I just, yeah, what an intimate relationship with God. And, uh, you know, I did not get up there. I wish I would have because, uh, there's something about coming up here and, and praying on your knees to God. And I, so I encourage everybody to start thinking about that. 
You know, uh, as I was preparing for this message, uh, this last week I was able to do a, uh, a burial uh, lesson for a family that uh, was burying their son. And I was reminded about God's everlasting love as I saw this mom and dad and, uh, and how they took care of their son all the way to the end. And uh, my wife and I went to this burial that I was doing a small ceremony with, and uh, we were there early. And uh, the family pulled up, and, and they get out of their vehicles, and they go and they grab the shovels. And uh, I thought, that's kind of strange, you know. And so they, they walk up to the site, and Dad and the family dug the hole for their son. Mom carried the son. It was ashes. And Mom took care of the son all the way up to the time the Dad and the kids buried the, dug the hole. They put him in there. They filled him up. Nobody took care of their son except for the family. And I thought, wow, what everlasting love. And I was talking to this dad afterwards. I says, you know, you and your wife had this baby. You helped raise him all the way to the time God took him home. And you, all, you took care of him all the, time, all the way to the point the ashes went on top of him. And I thought, that is a lot of love. And I went home and I was thinking about that and I thought, God's everlasting love is even greater than that is even greater than that. But they had a great example of how much they loved their son. Let's start with a word of prayer. And we're going to dig into uh, Romans chapter 8, 31 through 39. Romans chapter 8, 31 through 9. Let's pray. Father, we're going to just uh, settle down. We're going to open the Bible. We're going to open it to Romans 8 today. And we're going to talk about your everlasting love. And I pray my words will be yours, and I pray you will be glorified with all that is being done today. I thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the beautiful weather. I thank you that Pastor Dave and his family are out uh, enjoying time off. And, uh, Father, just for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for sins, we're very grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll open your Bibles to Romans 8, and we'll start with 31. And if you'd stand, and I'm just going to read these verses, and then we'll get started with each verse. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to, con- who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creations will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Go back to 31. We're going to take each verse and we're going to dissect it and just get some information on each one and see what God has to tell us. Verse 1. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? When I read this passage from the first time and as I was studying, I tend to go to the very last part of the, question, of the verse that says, who is against us? And I start thinking, there's lots of things against us as believers in Christ. There's the world. There's my flesh. There's Satan himself. 
There's so many temptations out there, but that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is asking the question, if God is for us, who can be against us? It changes that dynamics. If God is for us, the God who foreknew, predestined, called, justified, and even glorified us. If God is for us, who can be against us? In Philippians 1, 6, it says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, bring it to the completion at, at, at the day of Jesus Christ. The Lord God is not going to stop until he has conformed us to the image of his Son. The Lord God is not going to stop until he has conformed us to live the image of his Son. Hmm. God is for me. He is not hostile. He is a God for sinners who came to him and for the sinners who come to him and ask him to be his, their God. I don't know about you, but my confidence is in God himself. There's so many times during our life that we stray away from that. But our confidence should be in God and God alone. God is for us in a way that produces his highest good in our lives and accomplishes his eternal purpose. Since God is for us, all things work together for his good. As I look at that, and my final comments in verse 31 is, with God on our side like this, we can't lose. We cannot lose. In fact, we've already won because eternity is the end. That is our gift from God. We have won. The past few years, I have stepped out of ministry in, in many ways for my own personal life. Uh, you could say that I have enjoyed being alone and spending time with God. I'm not confident that that alone time has been the best for me. But I used it to glorify God. Um, I come to the conclusion that God wants all of us, including myself, to do something great for him. And we need to strive to do that in any way. And God has put us in this building and under Christ fellowship. And I love hearing ways that we can do things to glorify him. The fact that we're going to be out in the community. What a great way to show God's love for us. And I love that about our church, how we are going outside this building. Uh, the parade is a great way of doing it. The parade in Sumas yesterday, people from Christ Fellowship are there walking down the aisle. I just love that. And uh, we need to do that more often. Verse 32. Let's look at that. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? When I read this verse, the same question comes to my mind. How can we be certain that God will meet our needs? What does that look like? Because it says, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Well, I believe the cross proves the generosity of God. Because God gave us his most treasured possession in heaven. That was his son, Jesus Christ. So if he's already given us his most treasured gift in heaven, why would he not give us the things to continue our life here as Christians? 1 Peter 1, 18 19 says this, Knowing that you were ransomed for the futile ways inherited by your forefathers, not with perishable things but such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or thought. Even though there exists a very special relationship between the Father and the Son, He still gave us His Son. He still gave us His Son. He graciously gave us His Son as a free gift. It amazes me in my walk, in my life, in my job at Z's and other, and other jobs I have, 
how many people I know that are not believers, and how many people I know want nothing to do with God. And uh, it just seems like their mind is set on one thing and has nothing to do with God. It amazes me that people are so blinded on that. This passage is not a catch-all for those who see God as a great vending machine. So God's not saying to us, you go to the vending machine, you pull out what you want, and I'm going to give it to you. Paul is not teaching the prosperity gospel because that's not what God's all about. God does take care of us. He takes care of us in all different ways. Some differently than I am. I mean, it's just, it's, it's different. And only God knows, you know, what that might be. God has already given his very best while we were his enemies. Will he not also give us the things in life that we need? He has given us a son. Do you think that he is going to hold back anything else that we need to live our Christian life? God will never turn to someone he has chosen and done everything that needed to be done and say to him, I no longer want you. He'll never say that. He'll never say that you're not my son if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. We are forever secure in his, his everlasting love and grace. The all things refers to those things which are essential to the good he has purposed for us from eternity. Do you ever wonder what eternity looks like? Because so many times we tend to forget about the eternity part. And that should be our focus every day we wake up. Eternity, eternity, eternity. Because that is how we should build our lives. Is what does eternity, eternity look like? Since God has done the greatest thing and given up his son, how can he not do the lesser things for us? My final comment about 32 is, if God doesn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, Embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his son, Jesus. And we know what Jesus went through for us. We know what he went through. Is there anything else that he went gladly and freely do for us? I'm excited to see what God's going to do for Christ Fellowship. My guess is these next five years are going to be our best years. Not just for the church and body, but each one of us that are faithful to God. I'm excited to be a part of that. Verse 33 says this who shall bring any charge against God's elect it is God who justifies Christ our advocate pleads our case before the father our conscience accuses us the devil never ceases carnal Christians grumble and we blow it every day but there has never been a shortage of enemies to make accusations against God's people there has never been a shortage of enemies to make accusations against God's people. This tells me we should be aware of what might be happening soon. Because the world does not, the world hates us. Especially the world that is against the believers. The question is, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies in verse 33. But God is the judge and he has already acquitted me and you. Since God is the one who justifies, our justification can never be overthrown. He is completely satisfied in the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I love this verse. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I still don't understand that verse completely. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's also great news to us. 
it also is great news. God has taken us to court to show us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He is fighting for us today. Romans 8.1 There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are God's elect whom he has justified. And if God has justified us, no accusations can stand. A holy God has justified us. The believer's justification can never be overthrown. A holy, righteous God has acquitted the believer. The only cure for sin, the only cure for our sin problem is justification by faith. When we trust in Christ, the infinite love of God in Christ takes charge of our whole life. Our sins and all its implications. When God justifies us, we have nothing to fear about our relationship with him. We have nothing to fear about our relationship with him. I met with a guy this week that uh, is getting old, and he is fearing death. Been a believer all his life. Been a strong believer, but some reason when you get older, is what he's telling me, is his faith is getting less. And he hates that about himself. He struggles with that because he knows it's his age is doing it, and he knows it's wrong, but he's struggling with dying. And I asked him, are you, are you fearful for the afterlife? He goes, no, I know exactly where I'm going. But somehow the next six months, two years, however long it keeps me here, I'm afraid of that part. And most of it's the physical part of it, I'm sure. Or leaving your family and that. Hmm. The Bible says this. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9 and 10, by the way. As soon as we admit to him that we deserve condemnation, he restores our fellowship with him. Christ has already borne our guilt and condemnation when he went to the cross and died for us. This is the only way to deal with sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He is the friend of sinners, saved sinners, and lost sinners. It's up to us if we're going to believe in him. My final comments on verse 33. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosens? Who would dare even point a finger? Think about that next time you're accused of something about being a Christian. Verse 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is. He who died, yes, rather than who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. The only one who has a right to condemn us is Jesus Christ, and he died for us. He died for us. He was raised from the dead to live again for us. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Now, is there the slightest chance that he is going to condemn us? Hmm. Absolutely not. Jesus Christ now lives in us. We have his power imparted in us. He lives his life in us. His risen life is our life. We now have what it takes to live the Christian life. However, remember, it is not us, but it is Christ living in us. Jesus Christ is either our Savior or he's our judge. 
If he has pro, if he has pronounced if you have excuse me if he has pronounced you righteous justified by grace through faith then he is your savior. If you reject a free gift of grace then he is your judge. It's either heaven or hell. The Bible is very clear about this subject. It says in John 3:18, "He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already." Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's probably safe to say we are believers all here. Well, that should be a very comforting verse for all of us. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. We have a heavenly lawyer who pleases our case before the Father. 1 John 2.1 says this. My little children. I love it when he starts off with my little children. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. My little children, I am writing these things to you. When Jesus says that, we should be listening because he's talking about all of us. Christ will never condemn us if we are trusting in his death to pay the penalty for our sin. He died for our sins, paid the price in full. His death removes the possibility of condemnation. No one can ever reverse God's choices. He has justified us, he has sanctified us, and he will glorify us when he comes. Romans 8.1 There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. My final comments on this verse 34. The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. That is a comforting thing for me. Jesus Christ is with his Father right now, interceding for us. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a question we should all listen to. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? Is there any way you can lose your salvation is the question. Who is more powerful than Christ? Who is sufficient to come and remove you from, or me from the hands of God is the question. Let's read John ten twenty seven through 30. It says this. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of, their hand, out of my hands. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. I and the Father are one. I'm going to read that again. My sheep, which is us, hear my voice. I know you, and you will follow me, and I will give eternal life to them, to you, and you will never perish, and no one will snatch you out of my hands. I uh, talked to another guy this week. Uh, he had his, uh, it's actually my uncle, he had his daughter pass away here quite a few years ago, and he has a hard time understanding how the grace of God can... Uh, hold on to the children for life when the life for the when the children fall away from him and even though his daughter is now gone she had a life of salvation 
but there was a time in her life where she strayed away from him. And I had that conversation with my uncle and just said, you know, I read this verse. I mean, I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. Once God has you, once you accept Jesus Christ, your Savior, there is no way anybody can snatch you out of life. Paul gives us a list of struggles in the Christian life. Can life at its worst remove us from Christ? Will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? Let's take a look at each one of those. Tribulation. Tribulation is a strong pressure in life. There is a lot of pressures in life for us right now. There's a lot of them. And they cause trouble in our lives. Will that take us away from God? Absolutely not. How about distress? Distress is hardship. Outward affliction plus inner stress, anguish. The word was used to describe being caught in a tight place between high rocks. Is there anything that can take you away from God? Are you feeling like you have been caught in a tight place? Is life squeezing in on you? Do, I, do you feel like you're having a heavy burden in your life? Have you grown weary of life and feel beaten down? Have you come to a place where you feel like you cannot take it anymore? Has life become an overwhelming burden to you? Well, there's good news. There's one verse that answers each one of these questions. That's Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus says, Come to me, all who, la- all who labor laden. Excuse me. Come to me, all who laden and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me if you have the stress in your life, and I will give you rest. Don't go to anybody else. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Literally, he says, I will rest you. As we exchange our burdens, he gives us the rest that we need. Very comforting verse. Many times these last five years of my life, I needed to go to him, and he gave me rest. Those quiet times we talk about, those are intimate times that he gives you rest. If you're troubled with something, jump on your knees, and he will give you rest. Let's continue. How about persecution? Persecution is to be hunted down like an animal and killed. Tough stuff. Famine and hunger are brought on because of the drought or persecution. Like the people in Jesus' day, they worried too about what they would eat, drink, or wear tomorrow. There's nakedness, lack of clothes because of no means of getting them, economic problems. Danger. Danger in the waters, dangers with robbers, dangers of... Just people, heathens in the city, wilderness, murderers. What about this type of dangers? Talks about the sword. Paul would later be killed by the executioner's sword. Talk about sword in Paul's life. That's an important one. Says, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's verse thirty-six. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. What's our attitude toward that? The pressures, the circumstances, the chances. The chances in our life that might be coming that we don't know about. Some, some blame God and wind their life away. Others yield their sorrows to him and are drawn to a sweeter, more intimate walk with Christ. If I could be sitting around the table with all my kids right now... 
I talked about this subject right here. How can we draw closer to God, give him all of our trials to have a sweeter, more intimate walk with Christ? For some of us, these things draw us closer to God. They cause us to cling harder to Christ. They cause us to go running to our Savior, knowing his love never fails. Those are the people I like to be with. No one and nothing can sever the relationship with Christ because he will never cease to love you or me. Can these separate us from Christ? The answer is no. Christ's love toward us never changes. If none of these things can affect our separation, a separation, then why, would, why do believers fear this? Don't fear. Go to God. Get on your knees. God keeps us secure in his love. What is your response to these pressures in life? We get an entirely different perspective when we bring eternity into the picture. Again, if we have our lives toward the eternity part, the things that we get affected by don't matter. It makes things look a little easier. Our reward is heaven bound. Our reward, all of our friends and family, believers in Christ will be with us. All, all our reward in heaven, no sicknesses whatsoever. No aging. The best part of it, Jesus Christ will be there. We'll be able to see him face to face. Instead of about getting down on our knees and praying to Jesus in the air, he'll be right there. How exciting that will be. My final comments on this, in this verse was, if they kill us in cold blood because they hate us, if we're sitting ducks, we will be in trouble here on this earth. Again, heaven bound changes that picture if we do this for God. Remember, eternity is closer. We win. All tribulation, all hardships, even murder, we win. We are heaven bound. Verse 37. It says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. In all these things, it says, we are more than conquerors. Let's look at Paul's life. In fact, if you turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. Paul gives us a small part in the Bible here that we can look at his life. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to start with verse 16 and read to 28. This is Paul's life, what he went through. Paul says, I repeat that no one thank me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not with the Lord's authority, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves, but you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face to my shame I must say we were too weak for that but whatever anyone else dares to boast of I'm speaking as a fool I also dare to boast of that are they are they Hebrews so am I are they Israelites so am I are they offsprings of Abraham so am I are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, 
and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, danger in sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is daily pressures on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Wow. Wow. Paul was a super conqueror. Just as his Bible says, we are more than conquerors. That's exactly what Paul was. Christ proved his love by his sufferings. Therefore, our sufferings cannot separate us from his love. Nothing in life can stop God from loving you. Neither life, nor death, nor angelic power, nor demonic power, nor human influence can separate his love from us. God accomplishes his eternal purpose in our ways through pain, suffering, affliction, tribulation, and stress. He causes us to grow in the likeness of Christ as the pressures of life are applied to us. He does not promise to take us out of the pain. Man, I sure wish he would. But he does not promise to take us out of the pain. But to fashion us and to form us just like Jesus. He does not promise to take us out of the pain, but to fashion us and form us like Jesus. Final two verses. Verse 38 and 39 together. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christians in a constant spiritual warfare in which we are battling supernatural as well as natural forces that are arrayed against us. Nothing and no one will defeat his eternal purpose. No one. We are empowered by the love and grace of Jesus Christ. It is always amazing to me how God turns defeat and disaster into his victory. As we go through these things and you look back and you think, ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It doesn't take the pain away. He uses what we would call defeat to produce, to produce his, his ultimate victory in our lives. He uses what we would call defeat to produce his ultimate victory in our life. He accomplishes his goal through our sufferings. He makes us more than conquerors through the suffering of the saints. More than conquerors. Do you think that anyone is able to be able to take a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? Nope. There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture can take that love away from us, from Christ. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, Thinkable or unthinkable. Absolutely nothing can take God's love away from us. 
Jason, why don't you come up and get ready for some, some music. If Jesus is our master, his love is everlasting. If Jesus is our master, Philippians 1, 6 says, you will be brought to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. If Jesus is our master, Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If Jesus is our master, 1 John 2, 1, we have an advocate with the Father. It is Jesus Christ. If Jesus is our master, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. If Jesus is our master, Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and Jesus Christ will give you rest. All five verses have the same thing in common. It talks about Jesus Christ. All that is done through Jesus Christ. That is a free gift given to us. And if not all of us, most of us have it in our lives. We should have nothing to fear. Heaven bound will come and it will come quickly for some. And you just never know. The thing we do know, as long as we're on this earth, Jesus Christ loves us more than anything else. He will take care of us through everything he gives us. Everything that happens to us. So many times we put life, busyness of life, in front of everything. Let's put Jesus Christ first in our lives. Let's worship a little bit more and I'll come back up and follow up here. You may be seated. We desperately need Christ living in his life in us and through us. He alone saves and keeps us. We dare not boast in ourselves or take confidence in our own virtue, worth, and works. However, we are more than conquerors when he, when he lives his life in and through us. We desperately need each other. We need a body of caring people who love the way Christ loves us. They are hurting people in our community. They're watching us. They're watching me to see how we handle life. Christ should make a difference in our families, our marriages, our workplace, our witnesses, our church, our uh, Everson Nooksack. Let's continue to demonstrate to a lost community the difference Christ makes in his body. Let, they will know we are Christians by his love, working itself out in our lives. It is when we fall flat on our faces that God uses us. He loves is so ch- he, his love changes our life. His power is made perfect in our weakness. The Savior still holds you in the palm of his steady hand. I love that. The Savior holds you in the palm of his steady hand. Jesus promises that nothing can separate you from his measurable love. Not life, not death, not hurts, not disappointment, not pain, not suffering, not loss. You name it. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Not even all of life's difficulties put together can separate you. My final comment. We are dearly loved, completely forgiven, and forever set free through Christ Jesus. We are super conquerors through God's grace in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for setting us free through Jesus Christ. Help us as we continue to be super conquerors for you. Help our church as we go out of this building and be with our community. Our doors are open. We want to fill this building, Father. 
we want we have so many things we want to do and so I ask you to bring the people our way we look forward to serving you being a part of everything you give us in Jesus name amen before we close I want to also tell you today Doris and Louis Yost is celebrating 67 years where are they at they're close by aren't they are we here right there 67 years congratulations to marriage that's good Congratulations. Uh, if you have Pastor Dave's cell phone or Dreen's cell phone, text them and tell them you missed them. It's very encouraging to know that, that they're being missed. So if you have the number, it's in the bulletin. Text them, email them, let them know. Hey, we missed you. We're glad you're on vacation. Come back. It's just very encouraging that they know that we missed them. So thank you for being here today. God bless you. You have a great day. Enjoy the weather with family and friends.